Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us today, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're a guest with us, we always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So whether you're new in here, uh, in person, or you're online watching us, we'd love for you to check us out a few times. Hopefully, we could be your spiritual family. If you are watching with us online, we'd love for you to hit that share button right now just to get the message of Jesus Christ out onto your social media platforms. We'd love for you to also leave a review on Google or leave a review inside of our Facebook pages. We'd love for you just to let people know uh, what kind of church this is and help them understand it better. If you're in here with us, we'd love for you to also take out your phone, let everybody know, check in, let people know you're here at church. We believe in spiritual family and obviously meeting together as safely and securely as possible. We've been really enjoying uh, having church recently, uh, coming back in person and obviously being able to open up our doors and being in here. So we're doing it safe and securely. And every week we have a little bit more people coming back into the fold. And so it's not quite what we used to have yet, but we're getting there. Amen. And so it'll be good. We'll get there eventually. We start a brand new series today called What I Wish You Knew About God. And the reason this actually came about is because I was sitting, just kind of thinking through as I've been a pastor for almost two decades now, meeting different people and connecting with different people. Everybody's got an own their own little view on who God is and, and different things about God. And depending on where you come from, it could really mess with who you are. And so my, my job really as a pastor is to help give you and me a clear idea of who God is as best I can uh, in the ways that we can as we connect with each other. And so that's really where this series came about. And I kind of wrote down a couple of thoughts about, hey, what I wish you you knew about God over the next several weeks. So we're going to teach in sermon series format here at our church. And so we take a topic or we take a subject. We go to the scriptures, the word of God, and we preach about it so that we can live not just a great life one day in, you know, in heaven and future, but we have a great life now. That's what Jesus wants for us. And so as we get started, uh, let's pray, and uh, we'll just invite God in this place. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you that today you've spoken to us already through worship, God. And I'm just I'm, I'm humbled every time I get to come on this platform, speak on your behalf. This is not my church. This is your church. Uh, God, I pray that these, uh, this is, these are not my people. These are your people. I pray that this time would be stewarded well, that our hearts would be, uh, would be open, our minds would be clear to hear your Holy Spirit today in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Um, one of the things I love to do as a husband is to go to the store and shop for my wife. Now, I know a lot of guys are not big shoppers, but I'm a huge shopper. I love to shop. I like to go to the stores. I like to shop. I can normally shop pretty much anybody under the table. I love being at the store. And so my wife will send me to the store from time to time with a list. She always makes sure I have a list because if I don't have a list, I come back with stuff I shouldn't have, right? Come on, how many guys, anybody like that? Because I'm like, I need that. I need that. I need that. So I, she said, hey, honey, she asked me one day a couple months back. She was honey, go to the store. I need you to pick up a few things. And stick to the list. Everybody say, stick to the list. Yeah, she's like, stick to the list. Don't get anything off of it. Just be, be normal. Just go to the store, get this stuff, and come back. I said, okay, no problem, babe. I got you. So we go to the store, and uh, I, get in, I get out, and, you know, I'm walking around. And this, was a, this particular store was gigantic. And so it had, you know, food. It had clothing. It had electronics. And so I first started in one side of the store where it had uh, some clothing areas. So I go in the store, and I start looking, um, looking through something. And somebody walks up to me and says, uh, she, she goes, excuse me, do you have this in a size four? And I'm like, why would I know if the store has something in a size four? I don't know. I can help you maybe look for it. I said, but I don't know. I don't work here. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. My mistake. I said, okay, no problem. No big deal. So I just kind of let it go. Then I went over to the electronics area. So I was looking at some TVs because, again, if I'm at the TV area, I got to get a new TV because there's TVs on the wall, and that's what you know America says to do. We got to buy a new TV. So I buy a new TV. So I'm looking for a TV. And some guy walks up to him, no lie, walks up to him and goes, hey, do you think you guys have this TV in a 55-inch in the back? And I'm like, 
what? I don't work here. I don't know. Like, you should go ask someone at the register. He's like, oh, sorry, my bad. I'm like, okay, so no big deal. I'm like, okay, I'll let it go. You know, God's, God's good, whatever. So I'm like, all right. So I go all night. So I'm getting over to the food section. And anytime I go to the store, I have to buy a bag of chips. Kind of a weird thing about me. I don't know if you like that. You love chips? Come on, somebody say, yeah. So I, I just love chips. So I'm in the chip section. I pick up a bag of chips. No lie, a person comes up to me and she asks me, she says, hey, do you think that they have the Doritos in the back in the stock, in the back, like the color, the cool ranch? Do you think they have any, do you guys have any more of these in the back? And I'm like, I don't work here. No, I don't know. Well, you, you should go try. I got so frustrated, bought stuff, went home. I went to my wife. I said, babe, I'm so frustrated. She goes, why, honey? I said, listen, everybody kept asking me, like, where everything was. And, like, if there was in stock. And, like, I acted like I worked there. She goes, well, it's probably because you were wearing a red shirt and you went to Target, weirdo. And I said, like, Oh, oh, ever say, oh, I'm like, oh, now I get it. And so, like, it taught me a lesson that day because, like, I, you gotta be careful of going to Target in the red shirt. Anybody ever done that before? Come on, has that happened to anyone else but me? And so, like, you gotta be careful going to Target wearing a red shirt. You gotta be careful going to Walmart wearing a blue shirt. Like, you gotta be careful because you can be seen, come on, like, you can be seen wrong. And what it taught me was the principle that I'm gonna teach about today, really, why I hold the reason we're doing this whole sermon series is that, that how, we, how we see someone. Come on, how, how we see someone affects how we treat them. How, how, you, how you perceive someone to be ultimately determines and it messes with your, your ability to relate to them. In fact, all relationships are built like this. In fact, the foundation, come on, the foundation of all relationships is built on how we perceive that person to be. Whether you're in a relationship with a with you know a spouse, or you're in a relationship with a friend, or your relationship with you know a coworker, or maybe your boss, or or, or you know your your relationship inside of your family, how you perceive them, the foundation of that relationship is determined by how you see them. Because if you see them in a negative light, come on, y'all know this. If you see someone in a negative light, you you tend to treat them that. That way, that's why you and I reflect people when they give us attitude. You know, like when you when you go to Taco Bell and they get your order wrong, you're like, you got this order wrong, and they give you attitude back. You're like, you say what? Like, don't be giving me attitude. Like, because you perceive them in a certain way that you you treated them in that that very same way, and and there's consequences to seeing someone in a negative light or an inaccurate view. Because one of the biggest consequences that we have, if you see someone inaccurately, is that it can limit, come on, it could limit your relational potential with them. That's why when I went to Target and I was wearing that red shirt, they thought I worked there, but but I didn't work there. They saw me wrong, even though they I looked like I was working there. I, I didn't work there. They saw me inaccurately, therefore limited their a relational connection with me. It limited what they got from me. Come on. Because they saw me wrong. And if you see someone wrong in your life, if you have a negative rela- reaction or an inaccurate view of who they are, you'll never get what you can from them. Now, why does this matter to us when it comes to God? Our relationship with God is this is critical to our relationship with God. We must know God as accurately as possible. Come on. And have a healthy and productive to, to have a healthy and productive relationship with him. If you don't see God normal, if you don't see God for who he is, if you don't see God in an accurate fashion, it messes with your relationship with him. So the question you have to ask yourself, honestly, in all aspects of this, this is an introspective moment for you. I want you to think about this, okay? Think about how do you see God? How do you see God? Where did you get your view from God? Let's go a little bit deeper. Where did you, where did you even get your idea of who God was in your mind. 
I've been a pastor for, for, for many years. I see people all the time, and their, their view of God, their perception of God has been, has been um, um, influenced by, by many factors. Maybe your view of God comes from your family. Some of you grew up in church. Some of you grew up around Christians. Some of you grew up in your family nucleus. You guys know what God is, and so you speak Christian language. You say stuff like brother, and God's going to move, and the spirit of the holy God. You know, you use the blood of Jesus. You use language, and you don't even really know why you use them. The only reason you know it, and it's in your spirit, because you heard mama say it, and you heard grandpa say it, and you went, come on, you grew up that way around your family. And your relationship with God and your, not, more importantly, your view of God is, is really, really influenced by your, 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 your family. It's like when grandma, you ever grew up like this, like when grandma was with you in church, she'd drag you to church. Come on, maybe mom didn't even bring you, but grandma brought you to church and she'd always pinch you in church on your back of your arm. Anybody ever been pinched in church? Come on. And we're, coming, we're, like all, we're, we're all trying to recover from the pinched crowd, right? you know? It's like... Where you were princed in church and grandma told you, you better be good or God's going to get you. And then now your view of God is that if you're not good, God's going to get you. And you don't even know it in your heart. But when you get bad, you start looking around up. You start looking up a little bit. You make a sin and you're like, hey, is God going to get me? God's going to get me. Why? Because God, God's going to get you based on what grandma said. Because you were, you were, come on, that's your view came from him, from her. Second, another way, another, maybe your influence wasn't family, but it was uh, your history. You have a relationship with God. You have a, you have a relational history with God, and now that taints your view of God. And here's how it works. You prayed about something, and God didn't answer your prayer. And now your view of God has been now influenced, come on, by the fact that he didn't answer that prayer. And so because of that, there's a part of you that believes God doesn't care. Don't say it don't happen because I meet him all the time. God doesn't care about me. How do you know that? Well, he didn't listen to my prayer when I prayed one time. He didn't do what I wanted him to do. I put, like, my faith coin into him because he's a, you know, he's a vending machine. And so whatever miracle I want, I put my faith coin in. I hit D1, miracle, push that, that. That's how it's supposed to work, God. I pray you answer the prayer. That's how it works. And so God didn't, God was ornery with you. God, God, God tried to help you grow in your faith in a moment. He didn't answer your prayer. And so because he didn't answer your prayer, we, we come on, we, we, I do this, not you. I'll just say I do this. And so since he didn't answer my prayer, I'm like now a petulant child throwing a fit. Now I don't believe God when he says to believe in him. Why? Because, well, because my history determined that you prayed for someone to get healed and they're still sick. And now you, that's how you see God. Maybe you're a third kind of, you, you, you're, you're not influenced. Maybe it's not history. Maybe it's not family. Maybe it's your church or your pastor. Maybe you grew up in church. Come on. And you grew up in that church that had you influenced one way or the other. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Depends on what church you come from is how you see God. I remember growing up in some of the churches I grew up in. I didn't really know a whole lot about heaven, but I definitely knew there was a hell. I definitely knew there was a hell. I'm like, there, a hell is real, it's hot, and it's forever. And I got to be careful because God's ready to send me there. That was what I heard on a regular. Come on. And I was kind of sure there was a heaven, but we never talked about it. And so now your view of God is he's just waiting to hit the like y'all. You're like we're in a dunk machine and God's just waiting to hit the dunk and said, I'm watching you. And your view of God comes from the church you come from. And you, have you ever noticed that if, depending on the church you go to, if you go to the church with a really angry pastor, there's really angry people in the church. Have you ever noticed that? Because <laughs> they never, they cherry pick scriptures out of the Bible and they're all about the wrath of God. Come on. 
Or you're, you come from the other church that's all super grace-filled, and now they don't even know about the wrath of God, but they know about the goodness of God, and so all they know is about heaven but not about hell. Come on. And then you all think that God is just nothing but like a get-out-jail-free card. Like, grace, great, you did that. Grace, you did great, but it's all, come on. And it's all been influenced by the church or the pastor. Now, are any of these evil or wrong? No, they're not necessarily bad. In fact, I would say you can't really get away from them. All I'm just saying is you have an influence, and they just need to be weighted properly in your life on when you view God. Here's how you know, here's the best way to weight them, okay? They got to be all under the ultimate weight and the ultimate authority of the number one thing that should influence our God and how we see him, and that's the scriptures. That's Bible. I'm not a self-help person. So the problem with people who come into church who are looking for a place to, like, feel good, like, I ain't Oprah, and I'm not Tony Robbins. I preach the Bible. I'm a teacher. I'm a Bible teacher. And so although I love making people understand the goodness of God, there are things in here that should make you feel uncomfortable, and you should see God through the lens of the Bible and not the lens of culture and not the lens of a pastor and not the lens of a religion and not the lens of church and not the lens of people and not the lens of family and not the lens of history and not the lens of churches. Come on. You should be, we got to see God through the Bible. So, so if, if that's true, okay, that's what we're doing in the entire series. This is the goal of the series. We want to pull insights and, be, and, and find out what does God really, who is God really for us and for the world. And, and, and before I give you the first thing I wish you knew about God, let me give you just a side note. We can't fully figure God out. I, I, it bothers me when, when, we, when we talk to people, especially religious people who are like, no, I got God figured out. No, I know how he works. If I do this and I do this and I do that, like when you know God and you figure God out, he ceases to be God. God, by definition, cannot be figured out. So we are going to do the best we can to see a facet of God. You ever seen a diamond up close? Diamonds have multiple facets. Like you see, you got one level and then you turn it. It's got a whole nother level and you turn it. It's got a whole nother level and you turn it and it's got, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. So the goal of the series is for us to kind of look at the diamond that God is. And we're going to see as much as we can of him through his holy word so that we can actually not just get to heaven, but we can have heaven on earth a little bit. Come on. That's our goal of the series. So with that as our backdrop, that was just my intro. All right. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to be here until about two o'clock. I'm just kidding. We're almost done. So just don't get nervous. You'll beat them to Denny's. It'll be okay. First thing I wish you knew about God is this. God is love. God is Love. Now, when I said that, some people, depending on where you came from, you're like, yeah, but he's also justice. Make sure you talk about the law, Pastor. Don't forget the Old Testament. Come on. Remember hell. Some people, when I told you that, you, you said, absolutely. God is love. And, and I don't know anything else other than God being love. Some of us, we, we get, we get, when we say God, some of you are like, I've seen that on a bumper sticker. That makes sense. Some of you saw that on a placard in grandma's house. Come on. Y'all remember when we used to hang up pictures? We don't even hang up pictures. Do we even hang up pictures? Do you remember you used to go and print a picture? Y'all remember? Do they even do that anymore at store? Like, you know, it's like, and you hang it up on a wall and you go to the Bible bookstore. There's no more Bible bookstores anymore. But back in the day, you used to be able to go to like stores that were Christian Bible bookstores. And they would sell these art that would have, you know, scriptures on it and stuff. And you'd see these all the time. God is love. But we don't really fully understand that statement. I love the English language. Love it. It's the only language I speak. 
And um, I love it. It's awesome. It's powerful. Uh, my whole family speaks Spanish. I wish I could. Uh, I don't. And um, I wish I tried. Tried Rosetta Stone. Didn't take. I just I tried everything I could. I love the English language. I think it's amazing. But when it comes to the word love, it falls massively short. And, and the problem is, too, a lot of times our view, because when you heard God is love, you heard love, and then you started to equate that to what you heard and learned from culture about what love was. And so because there's only one word for love in the English dic- dictionary and the English language, we don't understand it fully when the Bible, when the Holy Scriptures say God is love. In fact, where we get that statement is in 1 John. That's where we're going to be today. We're going to look at 1 John and get an idea of what really that statement really means. 1 John is in the New Testament. It's written in Koine Greek. And the Greek word, uh, the Greek language has four, not one, has four words for love. I'm going to show them to you real quick. This is just a few, just for the Bible scholars in here who want to go deep. They always people go deep. You want to go deep? Here, we'll go deep. Storge is the first one. Uh, and it generally refers to um, one's affection for something. So like, you know how you normally would say something like, I love popcorn. Or, you know, I love my Mercedes. Or, I love Apple iPhones. That's what they're kind of talking about. That's kind of a storge type of, of love. Second uh, Greek word for love is eros. It's generally referring to like a romantic or sexual type of love. You know, it's for somebody, you know, for your spouse, you know, relationship with, something like that. Third one is uh, phileo. It's uh, generally referring to kind of a friendship type of love. Y'all know I'm talking like Philadelphia, Phileo, kind of same thing. City of brotherly what? Come on, what a trick question. City of brotherly love, right? So it's brotherly love. That's kind of what they're talking about, Phileo. And then agape is generally referring to love without uh, any conditions or any circumstances. You know, we hear that a lot when it comes to God. God has agape love. So the question that it ultimately leads to is like, well, which one of those is God? What was First John talking about? Who's, who's God in all those things? And my answer is always yes. He's all of them. All the time. Everywhere. So for us to truly get an idea of what God's, when we hear the idea that, that God is love, we have to look at First John and look at the understanding of what John was writing to us in a letter to, for us to understand and fully get some insights, again, to God's character, God's facet, his being, who is God, by looking at his scriptures and figuring out, okay, now since I know this, how can I live differently? So three insights as we wrap up and we close today. We'll give you three quick insights uh, to God and love when it comes to First John. First one is this, love is who God is, not just an attribute. Because a lot of times we hear God is love. We think, oh, yeah, God's, God's love. God, God, you know, God likes to love people. No, that's not what the Bible says. In fact, 1 John makes it very, very clear. I'll read it for you. It says this. It says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. So it's an attribute from God. It's, it, it's driven from God. It's actually designed and comes and created by God. And then I love what it says. It says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Then he doubles down. Okay, he wants to make sure you know what he's talking about. Verse 8, whoever does not love God does not know God because, this is important, because God is love. That's a huge theological statement because there's nowhere else in this holy scriptures and nowhere else in the Bible does God ever use someone to pen and describe him not just having the attribute of something but actually being the embodiment of something. It doesn't say God is justice. It said God is love. And so we have to understand that. And when we understand that, it helps define two main things in our life. The first thing it helps us define when we understand that God is love is it helps us define our existence. Has anybody ever in their history of their life asked themselves this question, where do I come from? Like, where am I? Why am I here? Where do I come from? Why of all this? What's with, it's like, the, you know, the question of the ages. Why am I here? The answer is found 
in this statement, God is love. The Bible speaks of the Trinity actually coming together and creating us in love. I'll show it to you. Genesis chapter 1, it says, then God said, let us. Everybody say us. Yeah, us. There's not I. Let us make mankind in our. Everybody say our. Our. We're talking about Elohim. You're right. We're talking about the, the God image in our image and in our likeness that the Trinity came together and created mankind out of abundance, not out of need. God is not some friendless kid who's looking for a buddy. You ever had that dude in the neighborhood? Come on. Y'all had that kid growing up. He's a little odd, a little awkward. Didn't have any friends. You know what his parents did? He bought him a fish, and then he bought him a gecko, and he bought him a cat, and he bought him a dog, and a parrot, and he made sure he had a friend. Why? Because he couldn't relate to other kids. He, couldn't be, he had no friends. He was a friendless kid. God's not a friendless kid. God wasn't sitting around going, man, I'm just kind of bored. Man, I wish I had a friend. I'm kind of lonely. In fact, the Bible speaks of the Trinity being a perfect human harmony relationship. There's a, a relationship that's perfect, divine, incredible, lacking nothing. There, there is, it, is, it is literally perfect. And in their perfection, in the, in the abundance of love they had for us, they created us. Not out of need, but out of abundance. And that when we understand that principle, we know why we're here. You're here because God loves you. The second thing it defines is, our, is really not just that, that, that our existence. It defines God's love and that it's unconditional. Because I'll tell you this. If God is unconditional by his very, come on, God by his very nature is, has no conditions. That's what makes him God. If he's love and God is unconditional, then God's love is unconditional, which ultimately leads us to this statement. God loves you. God loves me. God loves us, regardless of our behavior and our performance, every religious person. So what you and I thought when we came to God, some, a lot of us thought this, that when we got to God, the religious statement says, if we get good enough, God comes close to us and then he accepts us. And now that he loves us because we were so good, now we can make it into heaven. That's what every Pharisee teaches. That's what every religious person teaches. And just so you know, there's Pharisees back in the Bible days. There's Pharisees now. I meet them all the time. That's when they come up and tell me my lights are not right. Pastor, you didn't speak enough about the Bible. Pastor, you said not, You said too much about this. Pastor, you said too much about that. Why aren't you wearing a tie? Where's all the people? I don't understand. There's no Holy Spirit in here. You didn't say Holy Spirit. You said Holy Ghost. You didn't say Holy Ghost. You said Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, they're everywhere. Because they figured out God. And we'll make sure everybody else knows what God is after they figured him out. And so in, in our life, if we understand that God is love and his love is unconditional, that you and I have nothing to do. Hear me. Some of us struggle with this. We need to hear this if you're watching online. You and I have nothing to do with God's love because he loved you before you were here. He sent you. In fact, the Bible says it while we were sinners. It wasn't while you were good. Now that you're good, God loves you. Isn't that awesome? No, that's not what it says. It's that while we were sinners, while we were yet still sinners, God sent Jesus. God loves you already. He could, I'll say it like this. He couldn't love you more, and he couldn't love you less. You couldn't do anything about it. He loves you because that's who he is, and that's what he does, and he actually has no conditions on his relationship with you. So stop waiting to come to church. Maybe you're right now online. You're like, oh, I'll come. It's when I get right, I'll come. 
I hear that. I hear that all the time. Like, it meets people in stores and stuff. What do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, man, I wish I could come to church, but I'm just not doing good right now. I'm like, it's not a country club where you make sure your membership dues are in. Oh, you're good, and you're good, and you're good. Okay, we're all good. No, it's, we're, it's a hospital where we walk in, and we're like, I'm not good. I need to go to the one who is good. Because when I go to the one who is good, all of a sudden, now, all of a sudden, the closer I get to him, it's amazing how good I get. Why? Because I'm close to, to Jesus. Second thing is this. For second insight is that the perfect expression of God's love is Jesus. The perfect expression of God's love is Jesus. So not only we understand now God it doesn't just have the attribute of love, he's also defined it has he is love. Now the second thing the insight that we can pull from God's when you say God is love from scripture is that the perfect expression of God's love is Jesus. I'll read it for you in 1 John. He goes on to say This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So he sends his son to us. This is love. He defined that's what love is. Teenagers Single people, selfish husbands, this is love. Sacrifice, giving, generosity. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent, he gave, sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Have you ever asked this question, what does God look like? Jesus answered it in the Bible. Disciples were actually, this is, just so you know, this is a question that's been around since the beginning of the time. Disciples are sitting around. They ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, what does God look like? What does he look like? Can you tell us? Can you paint a picture? Just tell us what he looks like. Jesus' response was, well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So you're looking at him. That's what he looks like. That Hebrews even mentions it like this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact. Everybody say exact. Yeah, yeah you want to know what that means in Greek? Exact. You're welcome. So exact deep thoughts today with Pastor Aaron. And so exact representation of his being that when you see Jesus, you see the father that his love, the being of love is God and the expression of love is Jesus. I heard one scholar say it like this. It's a beautiful way. It says Jesus is God for us and Jesus is us for God. That number one, Jesus is God for us that we actually need somebody. We need God. God sent Jesus into the world so that we had some type of atoning sacrifice so that we have a bridge come on to eternity so he sent jesus is god for us but he's also us for god so that god needs actually some type of uh, covering for us the bible even speaks about it that you and i when we enter into relation with jesus his blood washes us white as snow it clears all our sins out so now that when he sees us he doesn't see our sin he sees jesus he sees the blood of jesus so it works together i like what one scholar says jesus is both the fulfiller and the fulfillment you want to know the answer to the, all the real world's problems is Jesus that Jesus we come in here and we worship Jesus Jesus is the bright and morning star Jesus is the rose of Sharon Jesus was the one that came in and did what we could not do he lived a sinless life and he died for us on a tree where we couldn't do what we needed to do so God stepped in Jesus was the one that we elevate and we lift up Jesus was the one that we celebrate it's not my church it's Jesus's church I'm not the senior pastor Jesus is the senior pastor we come in and we recognize that he has the power that 
his blood washes us clean, that he actually sets us apart, that he is righteous, that we put on his robes, that it was by his stripes that we were healed, that you and I now have a future and a hope and a freedom, not because of me and not because of religion and not because of church, but because of Jesus Christ. Do you see it? I get fired up when I talk about him. Greater love is no man. The cross can't be surpassed. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. Stop asking God why. You can't come back to him. It's Jesus. He was there before you. He'll be there after you. You can't know his love if you don't know Jesus. The third one is this, as we wrap up. God's love is reflected through us in how we treat other people. And if you're not a Christian in here, then this isn't for you. But if you're a Christian here and you know something about God, I want you to listen to me. It's easy for us to separate our love for God and our love for people. But if you love the scriptures that you claim to love, you can't do that. First John says it like this in chapter 4. It says, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. That's strong language. He said, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have have not seen. You, you can't separate the two. God was literally penning through a person that it's impossible to love God while refusing to love what God loves. You can't do it. And religion wants you to do it every time. They want you to say, you can love God, you don't really have to care about others. You can love God and you can let people know how you feel and make sure that they know because once they know sin, then they won't sin no more, which is completely inaccurate because you know sin and you still sin. The only real way to actually keep us from sinning has nothing to do with our knowledge of the sin. It's our knowledge of the Savior. And the closer you get to him, you'd be surprised how easy it is to, I mean, you just seem to be righteous. Because well, you're standing next to the righteous one. And that love should cause you to love others. You can't tell me you love me and hate my wife. A whole lot of people talk bad about the church. The Bible says the church is the bride of Christ. I'm just saying. Careful. Is the church perfect? No, it's run by humans. But be careful. Can't, you, can't, you can't say you love me and hate my kids. How many of y'all have kids in here? How many of y'all have kids online? Raise your hand. Okay. If someone came up to you and said, I love you, 
you're amazing. I think you're incredible. I love you, but I hate your kids. How'd you think you'd take? How'd you take that? Would you believe them? No. You, you, you have to love. If you're going to love God well, you got to love his kids well. You got to love his people well. You got to love the world well. Yeah, that means the sinners. Yeah, that means the people at the bars. Yeah, that means the people drinking. Yeah, that means the people smoking. Yeah, that means the people who aren't doing what they should be doing. Yeah, that means, no, no. Well, I do love them, Pastor. I I pray over them, and I speak at a distance from them. That's not what Jesus did. Come on, that's the expression of God's love. What Jesus did, he went and interacted with them. He had time with them. He influenced them. He knew his time was short. We don't recognize, you know, one of the biggest reasons or issues our church has right now, our people have, the world mankind has, you and I think we live forever. Our time is short. If we took the Bible seriously and took God's love seriously, you, every person you would interact would use that as an opportunity to share God's love. Not to say something like, listen, brother, Ieth prayeth for youeth to make sureeth youeth goeth to heaveneth. And you start speaking in King James. It could look like, hey, can I come cry with you? Because you're hurting right now. Hey, you, you have a need? What do you need right now? You need help with the bill? You need some groceries? You need me to pick you up? You need me to love on you? You need me to spend some time with you? Come on. You and I would take that way serious if we really felt that time was short, because it is. First John, full of God's love and his love for people. But I'm just going to give you a few of them. Rapid fire. It's all over the Bible. I just want to seal this point for those of you who don't think it's important. First John, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Next one, he says, how does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Next one, he says, the commandment we have from his, from his this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Come on, next one. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By this, by this, by this, by this, by this. If you love for, if you have love for one another, like you can't get away from it. Be careful how you talk about his church and be careful how you talk about his people. And we need to do everything we can to not just know and have a knowledge that God is love, but have a revelation of it. I pray that today we would have that. And if we could do that, I promise you, man, we could change the world. But why? Start by changing ourselves.